Welcome to the fourth episode of Resuscitating the Business of Humanity. The title of this episode is Your Sovereign Will. The date is March 15th, 2020. The location is Des Moines, Iowa, and I am Gary William Bear. In the course of your life, whether you were a student of history, religion, or literature, you have been exposed to stories about sovereigns, as depicted in the legends of King Arthur, Robin Hood, Lord of the Rings, and more recently, the Game of Thrones. What you learned from these stories is that in designating a sovereign, there is the naming of a person who, by the law of the land, is invested with supreme authority over a kingdom, a country, territory, or some domain. You also learned that with the designation of supreme authority came the sovereign's duty and power to decide on all matters of state as they pertain to protecting the land, sustaining its resources, and perpetuating the well-being of the people who are the subjects of the kingdom over which the sovereign has been granted dominion. Maybe you have seen this in movies, where the portrayal of a sovereign's practice of duty and wielding of power is evident. Often, this is depicted taking place within majestic castles with lavishly decorated courts that have large doors at one end and a long and tall hallway in the middle with a raised platform at the far end upon which sits the sovereign's throne, the seat of power. Next, you are made to understand that all who enter the court, who by merely stepping onto the inner sanctuary of the affairs of state become, by definition, subjects of the sovereign. This is because they are guests of the court which is the sovereign's place of governance over the people, laws, and lands of the kingdom. They don't live there. They're just guests there. And as subjects, each brings their gift, message, or request to be decided by the sovereign, whose will is absolute because what the sovereign decides in that place becomes the law of the land. And because the sovereign's will is absolute, one day a decision will go one way and another way the next. But regardless of the decision made, it does not go well when any subject challenges, denies, or ignores the sovereign's edict, which causes the sovereign to be angry as much as it places the subject's welfare at risk where they run the risk of being dismissed, displaced, or in some instances, dispatched. Now, what, you might ask, does any of this have to do with your will? Well, in point of fact, it has everything to do with it because your will, your sovereign will, functions in your life in precisely the same manner as it functions or as the sovereign functions in the life of the kingdom. But to see the similarity, you need to understand how the place of your beliefs 
and the place of your truths are both functions of time. So let's start with a few truths about beliefs. The first truth I would have you know about your beliefs is that every single one of them is born of the past. This is due to the fact that your beliefs are the result of a past effort to make believe and therefore make meaning about the thoughts, emotions, and sensations of a past moment about which you did not know the truth. For if you know the truth of anything, there is never the need to form a belief about it. So beliefs are a record of a past decision of your will. The second truth I would have you know about your beliefs is that even though they are not true, your tendency to confuse them for truth causes you to scan every moment for every thought, every emotion, and sensation for evidence that they are in fact true. The third truth I would have you know about your beliefs is that in finding that they are not true, you choose behaviors unconsciously to solicit outcomes in your life in an attempt to prove that your beliefs are true. But this also fails because your beliefs can never be your truth. The fourth truth I would have you know is that even though your beliefs are records of past moments, their emotional component vibrates as your emotion quotient within each and every present moment, which has the effect of perpetuating an emotional tone in each moment that runs the risk of obscuring your access to the truth of your moment in much the same way that Dr. J suggested that I should do these talks when in fact I could see no reason for it. I couldn't see the truth of it. The fifth truth I would have you know is that confusing one or more beliefs for truth causes fear or anger in you in the same manner that a subject causes anger in the sovereign when he or she challenges, denies, or ignores the edicts of the sovereign. Your beliefs are subjects of your sovereign will, which is the supreme authority of your present moment, just as subjects in the court of the sovereign are to his supreme authority over his kingdom. As such, your beliefs are merely guests that have no authority whatsoever over your will as you make your decision regarding the needs of your present moment. In fact, they only arise in your moment because of your tendency to confuse them for truth and because, in point of fact, the present moment is the only place where truth can be realized. So the best that your belief can do is be an imposter for truth by showing up in the place where truth can be known. So each time you confuse for truth your beliefs, opinions, and assumptions that are born of the past, in effect, you are attempting to overpower your sovereign will, which is the supreme authority of your life. And this, and only this, is why you experience fear, anger, hate, rage, jealousy, suspicion, and all the rest. And for this reason, you are never really upset for the reason you think and why 
the subject or topic that seems to cause your fear or anger is not actually the cause. Rather, the cause is that you are upset for the mere fact that one or more beliefs are trying to pass themselves off as your sovereign will. In their attempt to subordinate your sovereign will of the present moment to the decision of a past one. When seen in this light, legends, stories, and myths of sovereigns are metaphors about your duty and therefore your responsibility to claim your sovereign will, which may only be accomplished by choosing to be free each and every moment of your life. But sadly, we are not taught this about our lives. Instead, we are prodded, seduced, and cajoled into abdicating the power of our sovereign authority to either our beliefs and our opinions and our assumptions or the beliefs, opinions, and assumptions of others. The good news is that we can never really abdicate our will, for it is not possible to employ the power of will to give it away. The operation of your will may never be separated from you. This is the truth of your will. But it is possible to exercise the power of your will to disempower yourself or to use it to empower another, which is what is taking place when you surrender your sovereign will to the authority figures in your life. Now, please understand that I'm not suggesting that other people are not able to play a role in guiding or assisting you in your life. If I believe that that were true, I would not be speaking with you in this manner. It is just that any power of authority you think another has in your life has its source in you. It comes from you. For you decide to empower them by making belief and making meaning about what they say and how they behave, which is fine. It's fine and dandy if it makes you feel free. But if in doing this, you feel bound or fearful or angry or any of the other derivatives of bondage, I invite you to locate the belief you have confused for the truth until you find it, bring it into the present moment, and ask yourself, what do I know is true about this? And in this way, you free yourself, and then from that place of free will, make your choice. Decide what is true for you. In this way, your path to free will will only be populated by successive steps of freedom, for you will not arrive there through steps that bind you any more than the sovereign may govern his kingdom or her kingdom by allowing one or more subjects to wield that power instead. Like the sovereign, you must choose to wield your power consciously in each and every moment if you wish to remain seated upon your throne, which is your place of will. To help you with this, there are three laws of will that I would like to suggest. The first is that only you can free or bind your will. Your will is the supreme authority in your life. And its power to choose is without limit. 
And for this reason, no one may bind it or free it for you. Only you can decide this in your life. Number two, it is impossible to free your will as you endeavor to bind another's. This is because your efforts to bind another's will must proceed from your beliefs about what you think will bind yours, which means that in the final analysis, you can only succeed in binding your own. The third point is that each and every moment is your opportunity to help free another's will, where efforts to free another's will must proceed from your belief about what frees yours, which means that in the final analysis, you will only succeed in freeing your own, even as you move and act and conduct yourself in a manner that enables conditions for others to free theirs as well. This is all I have to say today about your sovereign will. The next episode will be how to navigate your will. And the episode after that will be to talk about how you maintain the authority of your will when moving through your life, whether you are an individual, a member of society, or a participant in business. Thank you for taking the time. Talk to you later.